Sometimes you go home and you feel good about a sermon. Sometimes you go home and don't feel so good about a sermon. And my wife tells me I have managed to make the two Babylons totally confusing. I thank her for that word of exhortation. So let me attempt (laughs) to clarify. Mystery Babylon the great mother of harlots, is the affluent false religion system that will be headquartered in Rome, known as Mystery Babylon. She is symbolized in Scripture as a woman who commits abominations before God. This system, this Mystery Babylon, will link up with the beast to rule and govern the world during the tribulation. Chapter 17, which we've just come through, is dedicated to describing Mystery Babylon, this this false religion, this system. But this system, along with the beast, and the beast, of course, being a system or confederation of ten kings, ten leaders, who give their power and authority to one man, and he is simply known as the beast. And now this is a little strange type of language, terminology that we're not necessarily used to, but uh, it's, it's really rather evident that the beast will come on the scene and rule and reign. Chapter 18, we have commercial Babylon. And now, commercial Babylon is a system of world trade and commerce that will dominate the world's economic system. This system is a system of checks and balances that will be identified by the mark of the beast. The number being, we're told what the number will be, 666. By the way, 666 is the most recognizable number around to man. And without this number, however, this identification of the beast, you will not be able to buy or sell. Without the number on the right hand or on the forehead, you will be considered an enemy of the state, of this system, and you will be executed. However, Receive the number, this mark, you will suffer eternal judgment from God himself. Several times in scripture, God calls for man to decide whom you will serve. Joshua called out to the children of Israel, decide this day whom you will serve. This mark of the beast will force people to choose whom they will serve. Take the mark, you serve man. Don't take the mark, you're going to suffer the loss of your life, but earn your eternal life. Commercial Babylon will bring great prosperity to this world 
And it will also bring great stability to a world that's kind of gone crazy. This system will make many merchants, many of those who uh, trade in the world's luxuries, it will make them rich. And it will be extremely enticing, alluring, to join up with this economic system because of the great wealth that is in this system. And who among us doesn't want to be rich? We all kind of fight that one, you know. We all want to. Better to be rich than poor. I had one man tell me that he had no desires to be rich. I said, really? He said, all I want is all the toys of the rich. Okay. <laughs> the oil companies have a terrible reputation for being extremely greedy. And I have to agree from what little I know or what I've heard. But my personal opinion, why isn't there a real outcry, a groundswell outcry, when oil prices go up? Is it because many people are stockholders in the oil companies? Is it because we have them in our 401k or in our, our retirement plans? You know, if you own oil stock, it doesn't bother you to go to the pump and pay a little extra for gasoline because your profit is coming from the shares that you have in the oil company. The big picture outweighs the small picture. And now me, I'm not no financial expert, but if I can understand this, how about investors around the world that invest into the oil companies and invest into other stocks that bring them great profit. Mobile Oil, by the way, who had their big Gulf oil spill a little over a year ago, it cost them billions of dollars, that oil spill. That's with a B, billions. However, Mobile was back in the profit column in less than eight months. Only eight months. That's only a speed bump in the road. They're back in making money. Commercial Babylon is a financial system with the main players, the movers and the shakers, who are already in place today. And they will only grow stronger and more organized during the tribulation time. As a Christian, we must be aware of our investments. Now, I'm probably going to step on some toes this morning. <laughs> Why should today be different? But anyway, there are many evil corporations out there. They are not to be owned, even in part, by Christians. We have what they call vice funds or sin stocks or leisure funds. 
and they pay great dividends. And they have many Christians in America and around the world, for that fact, that are invested into them. Some investment groups, they push what they call evil, sinful companies because they know they're profitable. This angel, it's in chapter 18, verse 4, that we looked at last week. This angel that glows from being in the presence of the Lord cries out with a voice, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive her plagues. What is he talking about coming out of? That evil economical system. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 12 and 13, God sends two angels to Sodom. Happens to be where Lot lives. And these angels go to Lot before they destroy Sodom. And let me read what what they have to say. Then these men, speaking of the angels, said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in this city? And here's what the angels say. Take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Get out of here. My Christian friends, God has promised to destroy commercial Babylon. That's his promise. I will destroy her. Before that destruction, God commands his people, come out of her. So what do we do? Well, we need to check our 401ks. We need to check our portfolios. As a believer, God does not want us profiting from sin stocks. Told you I was going to be offensive. Or to be part of any investment group that does profit from them. Now, I'm not trying to tell anybody where to invest their monies. But God, by His Spirit, says, come out of her. Do not be part of those sinful prophets from these companies. Last week I talked about how we battle greed. That's through being a cheerful giver. This week, I honestly feel we should look at our investments, look at our retirement funds, and be a good steward before God. Check it out. Do your homework. Make sure that the companies that you're invested in are not sinful companies. They come in the likes of casinos. There's drug companies that produce the day-after pill, the abortion pill. There's pornography groups, even abortion clinics. And many times they just have a very common-sounding name. And you've got to check out who you're invested with. Don't be part of it. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, he said, 11, he said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The true dividends 
of these sinful, greedy companies is this. They will suffer the plagues that God will bring on them. That's going to be the true dividends there. These plagues are promised to commercial Babylon in verses 5 through 8 of chapter 18. And you may want to back up just a little and read those. But this morning we're going to read chapter 18, 9 through 24. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxuriously with her weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore, merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of the most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle, sheep, horses and chariots. Then notice the last one, and the bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ships, sailor, and as, as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They knew, they, excuse me, they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of the harpists, musicians, flautists, and trumpeters will not be heard in you any more. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you any more, and the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you any more. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be, not be heard in you any more. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, and of all who were slain on the earth. What a complete and total destruction by the Lord upon commercial Babylon. And of course, we're described what the Babylon is like. 
In verse 9, that description says, smoke of her burning is seen for miles. Those who committed fornication with her are afraid to go near to this city. Many say that this is a nuclear destruction and the radiation contamination is what is causing men to stand at such a far distance. Perhaps. Is this one city destroyed or is it many commercial cities? It's commercial system is being destroyed, so it could be more than one city in my humble opinion. I think that this is possibly reference to a nuclear exchange that has happened just by the description of it. And the whole Babylon commercial system now lies in ruins. And in verses 11 through 17, they gave us a description of the precious merchandise that was destroyed. But in verse 17, we have the suddenness, the quickness of this. It says one hour. And then verse 19, we have again one hour. And the merchants of the sea, they go from being joyous and happy to weeping and wailing, for all their wealth has been taken away. And that's sad. It's sad to go bankrupt. It's sad to lose everything you own. But I want you to compare that in contrast. Heaven is not mourning. Heaven is rejoicing. The holy apostles and the prophets are rejoicing at the destruction of evil commercial Babylon. And we don't see that in Scripture too often where there is rejoicing at the destruction of anything. Commercial Babylon has risen to power, and she's risen to power on the backs of the martyred saints and believers, those that are killed during Babylon's rise to power. The merchants of the world have become rich at the expense of the righteous. Righteous martyrs, righteous believers. As believers are killed and martyred during this tribulation time, one has to ask what happens to their wealth and their possessions? Let me ask you a question, rhetorical. <laughs> what happens today if you die without a will? This commercial Babylon not only kills saints because they oppose them, but it also kills saints to gain their wealth, to take their possessions. A very quick way to get out of debt to amass wealth is to take wealth. Let me suggest a little scenario. You can blame me for this one. I didn't get this from any of the commentaries. <laughs> the rapture happens, okay, before the tribulation. 30%, 20%. 10% of the world's population 
disappears. Gone. Huge, massive numbers of people are missing, plus all of their assets are here. Who gets those assets? If you wonder about that, let me help you a little bit. Understand this. Those political commercial systems know how to amass wealth from the people. Have you heard of excess taxation? <laughs> Plus this new system will bring, will begin to kill not only those who oppose them without the mark, but they're going to kill those that have assets. It's not hard to imagine that commercial Babylon will flourish upon the blood of the martyrs. And God finally brings it to an end. And when he does, heaven rejoices. Heaven is happy. Happy at God's justice. Verse 21, we have, we read that the violence of the great city Babylon shall be thrown down. Tells you what kind of operation, what kind of government it was. It was a government of violence. And God brings it to an end. And he, we see the way he brings it to an end, and it's symbolized as a great millstone being cast into the sea, and in one moment and in an hour, it is nothing. Let me say this. To sin purposefully is assuming upon God's grace. You assume that God will forgive you when you sin purposely or premeditated sin is a very dangerous behavior by anyone. And it's something we as believers should never be found guilty of is premeditated sin. But let me direct you back to Luke 17 verses 1 and 2. We have Jesus speaking. And he said to his disciple, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. This millstone in our passage is also spoken of in Matthew, Mark, and of course I read the one in Luke. God's word openly telling us anyone who promotes sin encourages others to sin or causes a person to fall into sin. He said it would be better, a more enviable position, it would be better to be drowned in the sea with a millstone as an anchor around your neck, than to cause another person to stumble and fall away from God. That's pretty strong. 
which should cause each and every one of us to consider what kind of influence does my life have on others? A person usually does not party by themselves. Most partiers want others to party with them. Same thing with sexual sin. Others get involved. Same thing with crime. Vandals and thieves, they look for partners. How about alcohol consumption? Now, you may not have a problem, but one out of eight people who ever take a drink will have a lifelong problem with drinking. Those are, those are pretty high statistics. We even have laws in the book that forbid us from giving a young person alcohol. Why do you think that is? Somebody realized the dangers. Yet in our society today, we have parents that will throw graduation parties and they will go out and buy the booze for their kids. Same thing with birthday parties. They will go out and buy the alcohol for underage kids. I knew a lady who smoked pot with her son. Her reasoning was, if he's going to smoke pot, let him do it at home. Please. <laughs> Silly me, you know what I thought? I thought it was an excuse for her to smoke pot. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> God judges commercial Babylon in the same manner as the millstone being thrown into the sea. He destroys it in a moment. He violently brings down the great commercial system of Babylon in the same way that he destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. Commercial Babylon has a long history of violence and a promotion of sin. And God throws her down, and she will not be filled, she will not be habitated any longer. Sin has its day. Sin has its pleasures, or we wouldn't be tempted to sin. But the end results, God judges sin, whether it's in a commercial system or whether it's in an individual. For he is a just God. God must judge sin because of his nature. And the end results of any one or any system that practices sin, that habitually sins, God must judge it, and the end result is destruction. So when God tells us, come out of sinful commercial Babylon, guess what? We would be well advised to come out of sinful commercial Babylon and have no part in her sin.
That's strong. It's going to force me, I'm already starting to look into it, to look at who owns each and every stock I own. Who is the company behind it? The drug company, and I have stock in one of the drug companies. Does that drug company produce the day after pill? Are they profiting off of abortion? Are they profiting off of over things that are sinful? I must look at it. I cannot stand up here before you and tell you to look at it without me looking at it. I will look at it, and I will get rid of it. That I tell you. God doesn't want us to be part of sin. He warns us not to be part of sin. Tells us it's even better for you to drown in the sea and die than to cause somebody else to sin. That's strong. But it's what our Lord has to say. So I'm grateful that our Lord is gracious. I'm grateful that if I've aided anyone in sinning, that I have repentance. But I do want to listen to God's word, and I do want to come out of anything that has to do with sinful investments. I do. And my prayer is that you do too. So let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer.